Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three past nine here on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith, without Ian Smith, of course, because Smithy is covering the Cricket World Cup. He is on the road with Sky. But, man, have we got um, a show for you coming up today. And, man, there's some some big games in the Cricket World Cup today as well. Yesterday, we saw the South Africans go 3-0 after they put England to the sword. Now, that means England have lost to the West Indies, Australia, and South Africa, and are 0-3 at the moment. They were second favourites coming into the tournament. Uh, what does that mean? We'll uh, talk about that uh, throughout the show as well. And, and pa- uh, Bangladesh got their first one beating Pakistan. So Pakistan are 0-4 at the moment, bottom of the table. And that is the White Ferns' last game and potentially a must-win for them. Well, I think it will be a must-win. I think every game is pretty much a must-win. And uh, who's our next opponents? Well, the unbeaten South Africans, currently 3-0. and um, To put that into some context, South Africa have beaten Bangladesh and Pakistan, who up until yesterday were both uh, winless. And they've beaten England, who are also winless. So fair to say they maybe haven't been fully tested yet. But then that said, England, as I mentioned, were second favourites coming into the tournament and are currently 0-3. So that will be a test. And uh, looking forward uh, to that one. Also looking forward to seeing how Australia go today when they take on the Windies. Uh, that game starts uh, at the Basin in about two hours. Of course, uh, the Windies did lose last time out, but uh, they've so far knocked over New Zealand and uh, England and uh, are looking pretty good, uh, the Windies. And they've got a favourable draw. Once they get past Australia, they, they, they still haven't played Pakistan or Bangladesh, two of the bottom teams. So you've got to think that the, uh, the Windies are, are going to be in semi-final reckoning, I think. So we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. We're also going to catch up with Hazel uh, Chubik uh, from Chiefs Manawa, the fullback. Uh, we're going to talk to her about uh, Super Rugby Opeki the first weekend. Last weekend, of course, the game tonight as well. Luke Hetzel from High Performance, uh, the High Performance Athlete Development Manager for Park and Piper uh, at Snow Sports New Zealand is going to join us as well. We're going to talk Ruby Andrews, uh, another a youngster coming through the ranks who uh, could be troubling Olympic officials in the near future. Sam Ackerman and the boss man, Ruben Bradley, join us for the Dilmar Expertise panel after 10 as well. And Andrew Gaze, Australian basketball great, after 11 talking some uh, NBL. Right now, though, it is uh, time to talk NFL and the GOAT, the man they call the GOAT of the NFL, is, of course, Tom Brady. And uh, we thought he was done. He'd called it. He'd, he'd said, no, I'm done, I've had enough. And uh, I saw yesterday there was a guy paid uh, $500,000 US for the last ball he threw as a t- for a touchdown in the NFL. Don't know how much that's worth. Now, to talk to us about that and a few other things is Mike Carlson, an NFL expert uh, out of London. G'day, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. I thought when you said the, the goat, of, I thought you were introducing me. I was feeling really <laughs> flattered. <laughs> well, you are, you are the goat of NFL journalists. How's that? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take it, mate. I mean, you know, it's a, you've got all the credentials. Uh, I mean, you you went to college with uh, with Bill Belichick. Obviously, Tom Brady spent some time with Bill Belichick. I I kind of I kind of yeah. look at this and go, well. You know what? What is it, what's in this for Tom Brady? Why is he coming back now? Given that, you know, he's proved everything, hasn't he? I mean, the whole reason he went to Tampa was to prove to people that hey, it's not Belichick winning these Super Bowls; it's me. I think that's exactly right. And and I was saying when he, you know, remember now he never actually announced he was retiring. He just said that 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 would be his last year, <laughs> but he never ever he never ever used the word retirement. And he hadn't, you know, when you retire, you basically file with the team, and the team contacts the league and says you're retired, blah, blah, blah. So I I felt then that, you know, he had won his Super Bowl in the first year. Last year, um, the team got to the conference final, and Brady got, um, they they fell way behind. Brady made some mistakes. Second half, he was brilliant. They they tied the game. They lost right at the end of the game. Um, He had two statistically tremendous years, because he was basically free free to throw at will, which he only was a few years in New England. Um, so yeah, he had proven everything that needed to be proved. He could be a success in another environment. Um, the Patriots, meanwhile, are still in a rebuilding mode without him. And um, you got the feeling that rather than come back for another year, he where he probably wouldn't, the team wouldn't do as well, and maybe he wouldn't. Um, it was a good time to bow out. He was still more or less on top. You know, the, the, the last not winning the Super Bowl didn't tarnish his image at all because they had a great season. He personally had a great season. So I said, okay, take him at his word. You know, he, he's probably going to spend more time with the family, you know. And then yesterday he said, you know, well, after two months, well, Tom, it wasn't two months. <laughs> it was 40 days. It was like it was like Christ going off into the desert and then coming back and saying, "Hey, I I want to I want to play football again." You know, this family stuff is overrated. You know, or maybe he made a deal, maybe we made a deal with Giselle or whatever. But you know, it was funny seeing him out there at Manchester United, and of course, you know, everybody knows the Glazers own Manchester United and they own Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, you know, but after the fee- after the game, he's down on the field with Ronaldo, and and Ronaldo's what thirty seven, thirty eight, yeah, um, which is old for for a football player. Um, and you know, and Ronaldo was saying, "You're finished, right?" And Brady made this face, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like um, you know, and and so um, I think I think maybe Ronaldo had been talking to Giselle and got the wrong impression. I I don't know. Um, but you know the other thing that people have brought up, which I, I don't, I, I hate to think it was really a factor, but when he announced this, he had wanted to do it like on his own time, mm. um, you know, uh, between the the end of the season and the Super Bowl, and not distract, blah blah blah, but still get, um, but still get the maximum attention. And of course, some of the um, the NFL Twitter monsters leaked it someone leaked it to one of them and it was all over twitter so he, he was kind of forced into the decision and i i think if you're looking for a reason it's basically just that competitive fire he you, thinks he can still go and he wants to go 
There, there has been some speculation. You mentioned that he was seen at Old Trafford. And, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a hat-trick, uh, became the all-time leading goal scorer in professional football as he did so. And there's some uh, Ronaldo fanboys, some Manchester United supporters saying, Manchester United got Tom Brady. Cristiano Ronaldo got Tom Brady out of retirement. Uh, that He watched that and went, man, I'm not done. I miss this. I want to be that guy again. I think it's. I think there could be some truth in that. Although you know, you you get the sense that whatever he's decided, he's talked to people, not least his family, but also his, you know, his physical advisor, or whatever, maybe his financial advisors. Uh, you know, he's producing a movie about himself. He's been like a lot of celebrities backing the uh, Ponzi scheme that is cryptocurrency, um, and, and you know. I, I don't think it was spontaneous, but I do think there was an amount of, of I think you're absolutely right. There was that amount of kind of, well, if he can do it, <laughs> so 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 can I. And obviously, there's there's a great it's a it would make a really interesting article. You know, the comparisons be, between a 38 year old striker and and uh, a 45 year old quarterback, um, because obviously he's taken more punishment more or less. But in football, the big thing that happens is, is that you just, you lose that quickness and you keep your skill. And, you know, I, I know ice hockey really well. I know lacrosse really well, which are skill sports. So a guy who can handle the stick really well and who can absorb hits and stuff like that can continue his career. Um, even though his, his speed has gone, say, or, and Ronaldo's kind of on that, on that kind of end of the spectrum because he's such a skilled player. Um, his short area quickness might be diminished. His, his running speed might be diminished by quite a bit, but as long as he's got that skill, he's valuable in that sense. And Brady, um, for a quarterback, unlike most NFL players, nowadays a quarterback's life is relatively easier than it was, say, 30 years ago when a defender could could jump over a blocker and hit you helmet to helmet two seconds after you'd let go of the ball and there wouldn't be a penalty. Nowadays they're, they're protected, which doesn't make it easy, but it makes it a little bit easier. And, and a quarterback's biggest problem, unless he's a running quarterback of which nowadays there are a few, but Brady is an old fashioned, pure pocket passer, um, is that you, you absorb the damage and eventually it's just not worth playing anymore. But Brady's become very good over his career at avoiding injury. I mean, he, you know, little nicks here and there, but no big injuries since he since he um, did his knee many many years ago. Um, and he's kept remarkably flexible because that's what happens when you take all these hits too. Is that you start to develop arthritis in your throwing shoulder or bursitis or one of the itises, you know, and, <laughs> and you lose cartilage. Well, and and um, his passing arm is still pretty much as strong as it, as it has been. So he wins games with his mind and is able to keep himself out of most trouble the same way. You know, he, he can see what's happening. He knows what the defense is going to do. It lets him get the ball away quickly. It lets him avoid, you know, too many sacks. And so I just think he looks at it as I'm physically capable of going for another year. I love the competition. If, if you know, if Ronaldo can do it, why can't I do it? 
I think that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, on that, though, uh, you know, we talk about uh, guys like Patrick Mahomes and, you know, those running quarterbacks. We're seeing the modern quarterback, if you like. Is there a danger that Brady becomes outdated, outmoded, and it becomes a man out of his time? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't think so. Uh, yes, yes, football's changing a lot, but in his time at New England, he played in a number of different styles. You know, in his early years, they were really a running team. They wanted to run the ball, play defense, and win games. When he had Randy Moss, they were a downfield passing team all the time. When they, after they lost Randy Moss, Gronk, Gronk came in, Aaron Hernandez came in. They were a multiple varied offense, and then they became, for a few years, a dink-and-dunk kind of offense, much more like a lot of the modern spread teams. So apart from the fact that he doesn't run – except in, in five alarm emergencies. Um, I think, I think he can, he's adjusted to that modern game. And, and interestingly to me, I thought that one of the major factors in the year they won the Super Bowl was that when they had that sort of mid-season tur- turnaround, we know that Brady and Arian sat down and talked about the offense. And from that time onward, it was a Brady offense, not a Bruce Arians offense. Because a Bruce Arians offense has always been about the quarterback getting back in the pocket and throwing the ball to receivers running deep, which means slow developing pass patterns. And his quarterbacks over the years took a beating. Andrew Luck took a beating. Carson Palmer took a beating. All of the guys who had to replace Carson Palmer when he couldn't go took a beating. And I think Brady just said, look, if we're going to win, we've got the receivers to win if we play my way, which is to get the ball to them more quickly, more often. And and that's what they did. They went to a more play action as well, um, really successfully. I, I think I don't think the game will pass him by. And, and, you know, the way as defenses adjust to the more wide open football, the ability to read defenses becomes so much more important. Uh, if you don't know what the defense is going to pull on you, it doesn't matter how you know talented you are. Guys like Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not saying he can't read a defense because he's a smart athlete and, and he has that kind of savvy from a young age. Russell Wilson's like that because they were, they were professional-level athletes while they were still young. Well, Wilson actually played professional baseball. But, but if you're a guy, say, like Josh Allen and – in his first couple of years, they were teaching him about reading defenses and he was using his legs to make up for the fact that he didn't see it ahead of time. Now that he sees it coming, he can outrun it. So that, that made it easy. Not everybody can do that. You know, that, that, that takes a special talent as well. It does, it does. Uh, well, thanks for coming on and talking about Tom Brady, Mike. But I do want to ask you before we let you go, because uh, you are so learned in the game, um, uh, there's something that I've been scratching my head over. Uh, as you know, as a Raiders fan, I was gutted when Amari Cooper left for the Cowboys. So you can imagine my confusion yeah. when I see the Cowboys letting Amari Cooper go to the Browns for a fifth-round draft pick and a sixth-round draft pick. To me, that makes absolutely no sense and completely undervalues the player Amari Cooper is. It undervalues him um, in re- in real terms, uh, but the the point of the trade from Dallas's uh, perspective was to get rid of the salary cap hit that he has. Um, he still can perform at a high level, but it's not a high enough level to justify what it's costing the team. 
Um, and that's what you're going to see. The free agency period officially starts on Wednesday, but it has actually started now. And what you're going to see is a lot of maneuvering with money in mind. It's an issue of, of how you keep your salary cap alive while, while you spend, you know, um, Brady's actually a bargain at $20 million cap hit he only gets nine million in salary um amari cooper's cap hit was was uh, like 30 some odd thousand a million uh, dollars and you're going to see a lot of that um coming up and i know when you say when you do your basketball say hi to andrew gaze um john amici and i worked with him uh in the 2012 olympics in london uh, and it was, he's a great guy, really, he, and he was a great basketball player as well. Yeah, he was, he was. And just one more thing before you go, Mike, this has just broken in the last hour or two that Mitch Trubitsky is being signed by the Steelers to replace Ben Roethlisberger. What do you make of that as a, as a like-for-like? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what that's about. Um, Trubisky looked pretty good in preseason last year in Buffalo. He didn't, he didn't hardly play um, during the season. But when you watched what happened in Chicago with, with the quarterback carousel that they ran there, high draft picks, free agent signings, uh, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields coming in, people are starting to think maybe Trubisky wasn't the problem in Chicago, but it was Matt Nagy and the coaching staff that was the problem in Chicago. And they're willing to give him – remember, he was the second guy drafted in his year coming out of college – um, a lot, a lot of potential there, and so the Steelers, I think, are willing to to give him a shot. And again, financially, he's a bargain. They have um, Mason Rudolph on the roster. They have Dwayne Haskins, who was a first round pick in Washington a couple of years ago, and he washed out there. None of those guys are making huge money. They can basically throw the three of them against the wall to see which one sticks. And I, I don't think this precludes them from either drafting a quarterback. Though there's nobody in this draft that you you would be confident right now putting in as a starter um, in their rookie season, but they could draft a very talented quarterback like Malik Willis, say who needs you know needs experience and all, and just sit him for a year while they see which of these guys might be able to take the team uh, take the team forward. I think um, you know it's it's kind of there was a lot of laughing going on. <laughs> when it was announced, you know, and um, but I but I think uh, you know there is a sort of method in that madness. They they might have been looking at signing a big name free agent. And, you know, maybe they had their eye um, on on Deshaun Watson or something like that. But but um, the, Watson will go to somebody. But the money problems and the legal problems probably make that um, that not possible. I think they probably wanted Russell Wilson, but Wilson went to Denver. Um, in a big trade with um, with Seattle uh, about four or five day, four or five days ago, um, and he would have been a great fit in Pittsburgh. But um, I think Denver is sort of more Super Bowl ready. Uh, Denver is one of those teams that think kind of like the Rams last year. If we get if we get the star quarterback, that's going to be what puts us over the hump. And you know, worked with Brady in in Tampa, it worked with Matt Stafford in in L.A. And uh, Denver, I think, will be hoping that it works with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. I, we, that's a, that's a whole other conversation, Mike. But thank you uh, for, for, for for coming <laughs> everything on. Everything is right. Yeah, everything is. And that's uh, not even talking about. Yeah, that's not even talking about the England Ireland match, which I watched on my birthday and celebrated. 
Well, there you and, and speaking of a whole other conversations, uh, Friday morning tight end is you, mate. Yeah, people can find you at patreon.com for all your NFL writing and uh, and tips during the season too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. It's Mike Carlson, FMTE at, at Patreon. Yeah. Good stuff, Mike. Really appreciate your time this morning. Go well. Oh, thanks, Ricardo. See ya. See ya. Uh, Mike Halser there with us talking Tom Brady, talking NFL. It is 22 past nine here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. With the tech, really see. You won't believe the things that we can do. What are the things we do with our bodies? Would you believe that we can still do more? It's just a matter of faith. You won't believe the It's SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in the hot seat. Well, Smithy is on the World Cup tour, and uh, as you can tell from that song, uh, the Warriors are on our minds today, uh, particularly with Mount Rushmore. So this isn't the greatest Warriors, the best Warriors. This is your favourite Warriors. Who are you putting on the Mount Rushmore? Four faces of your favourite Warriors. That's what we want to know here this morning on SENZ. You can hit us. Uh, on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost, like no other. That is double eight double three. Or you can call us on 0800 150 11. Which four warriors are you going to put on your Mount Rushmore? Watch faces are you going to see chiselled into the side of that mountain? Uh, we want to hear from you on that. And, you know, this doesn't have to be, as I mentioned, doesn't have to be the best warriors or uh, the most successful warriors. Just your favourite your favourite Warriors, the players that stick with you, the memories that stick with you. Uh, who are those players for you, Logan? I know that you've got a you've got a few ideas on this. Yeah, and I mean, so many come to mind. Such a rich history with the club, right? There's going to be so many names that miss out when we've only got eight. And uh, I'll tease one now that we do only share one, which was quite cool. I thought, yeah. you know, last week when we did Mount Rushmore, we uh, shared opinions on a few things. So great that we have quite a f- uh, different range of Warriors in our pack here. I uh, definitely would love to hear uh, what everyone else is thinking because – there's just so many greats, and like I said, there's going to be a bunch of people that miss out, and I know, it's yeah, it's very subjective, it's very subjective, just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, to give you a bit of a, get a, a, bit of a lead in, I mean, last week we did, uh, you know, it was obviously uh, New Zealand's top female athletes of all time, your favourite female athletes of all time from New Zealand, I put Casey Kalpua in there. Now, she might not be the old flash and dazzle of the shooters, but man, I, I love her work ethic, every time she took the court, um, you know, it was blood, sweat and tears for her team, and that's kind of reflected in my Warriors selections as well, but keen to hear from you on yours, so hit us on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. It is double eight double three, double eight double three. Which warriors do you want to see uh, chiselled into your Mount Rushmore, the top four warriors for you? That's what we want to hear from you about. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy is, of course, on the road with the Cricket World Cup, so Ricardo Ball uh, in for him. And uh, joining us on the show uh, right now is Hazel Chubik, of course, from uh, the Chiefs. Um, and, man... Uh, it's been a it's been a rock and roll season, I guess you would say, uh, Chiefs for Chiefs Manawa, or for all the teams in Super Rugby Arpeki as well, with uh, the the way things have changed. How have you uh, dealt with it? 
yeah, I mean, it, it obviously isn't the um, way that it was planned out uh, at the start of the year that we all thought it was going to go, but um, everyone had to, I guess, um, move with the, the flow of things and um, things changed last minute and um, we're lucky to kind of get into our bubble and settle down and um, have some good time together and um, build into these games. So, um, you know, it changes every day and um, we've kind of learned to pre- be prepared that anything can happen any day. So, yeah, a bit different to normal, but um, we're getting there. That's good to hear. What, how was how was the experience? I mean, game one at this level uh, in New Zealand. Uh, how much of a step up was it, you know, from uh, what we've seen at, say, MPC level? Yeah, I mean, like, we always um, knew that this was obviously going to be a step up from the SPC level. So, um, you know, to expect that, and, and we were lucky that we got a pre-season game in there that we kind of could work our way into things and um, get out there and get used to the pace of the game and everything. So being able to get out there and um, play play some good high-level footy is, is what we all want and we were expecting. And I think, um, you know, the first 10 minutes is always going to be a bit of a blow the lungs out, but... Once we got into the groove of things, um, we were we were kind of running smoothly. Yeah, yeah, that's good because I mean, uh, you know, we saw the end of, end of year tour last year for the Black Ferns. Um, you know, sort of, I think it was a bit of a wake up call for New Zealand rugby in general, uh, just in terms of yeah. being able to deliver that next level of competition for our athletes here. Yeah, I mean, it was it needed to happen. We need to we need to be um, pushing ourselves above that next level of SPC. I mean, that's a, it's a great competition, but um, if we want to you know, push ourselves higher and really compete in the in the national stage. We're going to need to be playing these types of games. Um, girls, as we saw on that tour, um, coming from SPC and even a mixture of being in lockdown and stuff, we, they um, kind of got a bit of a shock and a fright um, going up to those Northern Hemisphere, hemisphere teams to um, have an established um, high-level comp. So, um, yeah, the, it, this competition was um, very in need to happen and um, awesome that we've got it going. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's it's not that um, much of a, you know, you don't, don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure it out. You know, in, in the men's game, we have Super Rugby provides the bridge between NPC and the All Blacks. So uh, much the same should happen for the women's game. We just need to kind of, I guess, expand that competition uh, from what we have, right, and, and, and give it more time. Yeah, I mean, the first uh, few few seasons of it are always going to be, you know, a few teething um, issues and stuff, but like at this at this moment, I suppose we probably, yeah, we only have the four teams, um, probably not enough girls um, playing that we can make five strong um, competitive teams, um, but, you know, as, as the years go on, hopefully we can progress and get another team in here and, and that will allow more girls this opportunity to play at this level, but yeah, definitely we need to follow that same kind of structure as is the men's and have that stepping stone along the way to get um, ensure that our top level team are, are playing some good rugby. Yeah, maybe even get a couple of Aussie teams involved at some at some point down the track. Eh? That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome if we could do that. Yeah, yeah. But now, um, how did you feel going into that first game? Um, because obviously, Matatu, uh, you know, effectively Crusaders, Highlanders, as we we know them from Super Rugby combined, and uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders have got a pretty good rivalry going. So, did it, did it feel like there was some of that rivalry carried over? Oh, oh, for sure. We, I mean, even just knowing that the um, Canterbury girls you know, in the SBC team are quite strong, so I think everyone was really gunning um, to, you know, want to beat them or have a have a good game against them. So we we knew they were going to be a tough side. They're, they're well-grilled, got some great coaches down there and um, smart players. So um, 
the game was never going to be an easy one and it showed that game, you know, we, we came out the first half probably, you know, came out a bit hissing and then second half they absolutely dominated us and we're unfortunate there at the end to just miss that kick to, um, which would have led it to the golden point, which who knows what would have happened then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, as with every team, each has their, has their rivalry going on and with our next ones, we, you know, really want to do well against them as well. But yeah, everyone's just, I suppose it's a short comp and we've got to win every game. So each game is like a final, just going out there to, to go hard. How did you find the 35-minute halves? Did you take much adjusting from a game plan oh, point of view? I actually kind of forgot that we were doing the 35 <laughs> minutes, to be honest. Um, yeah, they. I was, someone said, oh, we got two minutes left, and I looked up and oh, they still, I was like, no, we got, we got seven minutes. But then I remembered only the 35-minute half, so... Um, yeah, I think in the end, it probably we were glad it, it was only 35 because we, <laughs> you know, we were starting to run out of puff a bit there. So it probably worked in our favour a little bit. But I, I'm sure um, tomorrow we'll be much more aware that it's only those 35 minutes and maybe play a bit more um, of that game game plan into our hands there. Yeah, what what do you think changed at the half time? I mean, like you said, you guys, you know, it was a real ding dong in the first half, but you guys had the better of it. Mm-hmm. But in the second half, they really pinned you back in your own 22 for long periods. Yeah, we just um, we just couldn't get hold of the ball, and, and any time we did, we we just gave it back straight away. And, and the I don't know what the um, territory stats probably were in that second half, but we we're basically in our own half the whole game, and uh, always is going to be hard to try and um, you know score any points when you're not down the other end. So yeah, I, I mean we we came in at half time and we spoke about the little key points that we wanted to tidy up, but then in the end we um, we're on defense for most of that half and so um, to work on those little attacking options that we wanted to we couldn't really but that'll be definitely something we've spoke about is um, keeping that switched on um, half time um, and coming out and, and staying strong now, You've got a, a very very strong squad uh, you're up against the Canes uh, tonight um, and you know I guess you know with Kelly Brazier um, steering things around and, and people like Porsche Woodman and, and, and Ruby Tui as well uh, in, in the backfield with you uh, I mean it feels like you, you've got experience everywhere to be able to see these games out Yeah I mean we're lucky that we, we do have a lot of um, experienced players in our team and makes it easier and um, in ways that we, you know, we know can trust everyone's understanding their role and got their, their job on lock. And so it does make it a bit, you can focus on your own job a bit more. Um, whereas, you know, you possibly when you're playing, you are playing at the FPC level, you do need to um, take care of a few other roles that's um, more so than what you can you have to do here. So um, that's definitely a bonus that we have. But, you know, at the same time, you can't take that for granted at someone straight off the um, fresh out of school plane, they could come and run rings around you. So um, you can never take a team lightly, no matter how experienced you are or, yes, you've been playing at the top level. You know, whoever turns up on the field and wants to do the best, you know, generally ends up winning. So um, we kind of take that in into how we play. Uh, Lange Vianu is actually on the left wing, sorry, and uh, and Ruby Tui drops back to the bench. I should have mentioned that. Uh, uh, what does that give you, do you think? Uh, does it give you something else, a little bit more pace maybe? Yeah, I mean, Lange, as she's been um, playing 15s around it for a while, and she's, you know, she actually, some people don't realise how quick she actually is. She's quite, she's quite quick, so um, giving her the ball and just 
given her the freedom to attack and have a go. I think that's um, a benefit that we, we have there out on the outside. Um, she actually, well, all of our wingers are great attackers, really, so that's probably a um, you know benefit that we have is that we can trust that anyone that we give the ball out there wide, they're going to have a go and uh, got some pace on them. So, yeah, we were excited to just give our wingers some ball and let uh, see what they can do. Yeah, and, and what about uh, the Canes? Of course, um, they didn't play last weekend because of, of COVID issues within the team, uh, but uh, Sera Hidini is um, is obviously going to be captaining the team. Well, what do you make of their squad, and uh, where do you see the dangers? Yeah, I mean, they've got a, um, a lot of experienced players too in their, in their squad, and, um, you know, they've all got a dominant, you know, team down there with the FPC teams and so we know they're going to be strong and they're always great ball carriers um, a lot of the girls from um, down there so we know that we're going to have to front up and uh, make our first up tackles because if we give them a sniff they're going to um, you know run through us and we can't afford to have teams uh, breaking us up through the middle so we know it's going to be a hard game and, and they're going to be rearing to go because they've been like locked up animals I guess so um you know, we, we know they're going to come straight out the gate and um, come hitting this kick-off. So we've just got to make sure that we we turn up as well and we're ready to go. Yeah, Hazel Chubik from the uh, Waitomo Chiefs Marawa team with us here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, just before I let you go, Hazel, you obviously have had a chance to to play against Matatu. Uh, you got the Canes this weekend, and and then uh, obviously there's a, a Blues team running around as well that are going to cause uh, teams issues. Uh, how even do you think this comp is looking at all the squads? I, I honestly think um, any team can win on the day. You know, it, whoever wants it the most is going to get it. And I think, and, and it's a general thing, I guess, with women's rugby is the mind is, is a very strong thing. And whoever, you know, turns up and believes that they can do well and really wants it more than the other team, they can do the job on the day. So, you know, yeah, at this point, um, I think it's pretty wide open competition and, um you know, you step back for one second and, and lose a game, then, you know, that's, that's the potential to win gone. So, yeah, you've definitely not taken any teams lightly and it's, it's an open competition at this, this stage. Yeah, good stuff, Hazel. Hey, listen, really appreciate you giving us some time, mate. Good luck uh, tonight against the Canes. Uh, hopefully you can get another W and, uh, you know, sort of put yourselves in the driving seat uh, in the competition. Cool, awesome. No, thanks. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 12 away from 10 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo in the hot seat for Smithy, who is on the tour with the uh, Cricket World Cup. Uh, tune into SENZ every Sunday, 11 or 12, for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. Great show. Uh, for me... Best thing I've heard about this is Rosso doesn't doesn't talk too complicated. Dumbs it down for uh, you know uh, greyhounds for dummies for people like me, uh, which is which is always good too. Uh, which is good. Now we we are asking, of course, you to text through on the temper bedpost text machine uh, the uh, your favourite warriors. Not have to be your best or the most successful, the most winningest, any of that. Just your favourite warriors. If if we were going to do a Mount Rushmore of your favourite warriors, whose faces are we chiselling into the rock? Uh, we've had quite a few texts through already, but keep them coming on double eight double three. Uh, Brad has sent through. 
Stacey Jones, Ruben Wiki, RTS, Sean Johnson, Ali Lautiti just misses out. Um, so thanks for those uh, those Brad. Uh, keep them coming in. Um, and then we've got uh, Gorilla Villasante, Richard Villasante as well. Uh, no name on that one, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a blast from the past in there, uh, Villasante. Uh, and then uh, Hytro Ocassini, Colt here. Yeah, Colt Hero, I think that's supposed to say. Yeah, uh, Hytro, I think. I just have those memories from 95 when the Warriors first came in and I think it was the first kickoff and the first kickoff return against the Broncos and it was Hytro and he had that unusual running style where he just bent his head forward and ran head first into the opposition. Uh, so Hytro Cassini is, is, is a good shout as well. Uh, Kevin has given us Dean Bell, RTS, Stacey Jones and Simon Mannering. I can see, I can see Mannering, I can see Jones in there. Dean Bell was one that I hadn't uh, really thought of. RTS I struggle with. I mean, I know this is your favourites, but for me, he kind of left the club last year and I, I know people can understand it and you want, wish him all the best and blah, 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 but club in difficult circumstances, squad in difficult circumstances, he's supposed to be the captain and he does the old uh, shithouse shuffle um, halfway through the season. So for me, RTS gets nowhere near it. Logan, uh, what's your take on some of these that we've had come through? Yeah, speaking of RTS, it's a bit like... Sean Johnson, when he left to go and he went to Cronulla, right, we sort of vilified him a little bit, and now he's back, and we was, you know, we're excited to see him back. But ah, uh, there's so many great names coming up here. Dean Bell, that is a really good shout. Obviously, when you sort of think of like the original Warriors, that is that is one that is up there. Uh, quite a cool little history lesson here, because I mean, when when the team came out in '95, I was still a youngster. What was I? I would have been nine years old. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I still remember that game, you know, all the glitz and glamour with the helicopters and whatnot. Like, that was just so cool to see that as a kid. I mean, it would blow my mind now as well. Like, just the pageantry that they rolled out for that game was just awesome. And just to have represent- representation uh, in the NRL is great. So keep them coming. Keep them coming uh, on the tech- on the Temper Bear Post text machine because there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, there's... Uh, any anything else that you've disagreed with that's come through? Is it just RTS? Yeah, I mean that's you, but I, oh, sorry, that's me. Yeah, yeah. no, just, I think uh, you with that. I think uh, <laughs> I think our listeners are bringing in some good names. Clinton Torpy, uh, that's a that's a player. Yeah, 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 that is a play. A, a good play. shout, that one from Dale. Yeah, yeah, I like that from Dale. So yeah, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. The Temper Beard Post text machine. The Warriors faces you would like to see carved into a Mount Rushmore of your favourite four Warriors. Uh, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three here on mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yeah, we're a couple of minutes away from 10 o'clock here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in the hot seat for you. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of Warriors, your favourite Warriors. Which four faces are you chiselling in to the uh, face of that mountain? Uh, they keep coming through. Kevin Campion from Mike. He's saying the best leader we've ever had. Thanks, Kevin. I, I 
tend to agree with uh, sorry, Kevin. Thanks, Mike. I tend to agree with you. Uh, I know Kevin Campion actually was on on the weekend on the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty and, and, and Grant Elliott talking Warriors as well. So that's one to look up on the SNZ podcast page because uh, Campion is a champion. He's a great chat as well. And uh, you, you can't deny that. Uh, my favourite warrior of all time, I can't go past Hytro Occasini. Pure aggression and power. That one from Brian. Thanks for your uh, text there, Brian. Uh, keep them coming through, Double eight, double three. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, we've also had this one. Hi, guys. My four warriors, Stacey Jones, Ivan Cleary, Ruben Wiki, and Simon Mannering. That's from Jared. Cheers for that, Jared. Yeah, that's, uh, it's not a bad shout. Three Kiwis and an Aussie in there. I, the Ruben Wiki one, I, I rate Ruben, really do. Uh, loved him as a player. Uh, and what he did post-playing career as well when he was you know, running the drinks for the Warriors for a couple of seasons there. But I don't know that we saw the best of him at the Warriors. I think the, be- the, the Raiders got the best of him. So I don't know if he quite makes my, my favourite Warriors um, four anyway for this. But it's a good shout, Jared. So thank you uh, for your text. Another one here, Stacey Jones, Ruben Wiki, Steve Price, Simon Mannering. Price, Pricey is a good shout. Pricey's a very good shout. The leadership he gave that team when he came in, uh, I thought was outstanding. Um, he certainly turned things around for the Warriors. And there's a couple of names here uh, that Dale has sent through that I like. Uh, he's got Ivan Cleary and Steve Price in there. Uh, but Clinton Torpy and Mark Tukey. Mark Tukey. He is, a, he is a great show. That is a blast from the past. Mark Tukey looked like he had all the conditioning in preseason that I've had, uh, to be honest, most of the time. But, man, what a big body. And he, he absolutely loved the jersey. And uh, he, he put his body on the line time and time again. So, Dale, thank you for your shout. Keep those coming through. The Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. In the next hour, the Dilmar expertise panel of Sam Ackerman and Ruben Bradley are with us. We'll have a Love Racing update. And Luke Hetzel, the High Performance Athlete Development Manager for Snow Sports New Zealand, is going to join us to talk Ruby Andrews up next here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy for the week while he is on World Cup duty. Uh, some live sport going on at the moment from the Premier League. Crystal Palace currently holding league leaders Manchester City nil all at half time. And in the Scottish Cup uh, quarterfinals, Celtic lead Dundee United 2-0. Lazio are 1-0 up over Venezia in Serie A. And Mallorca are holding Real Madrid, the league leaders in Spain, nil all at half time as well. We'll keep you up to date with those. Uh, coming up in this hour, we we have the Dilmar Expertise Panel, Sam Ackerman, and the boss man, Ruben Bradley, are going to join me. We'll be talking Warriors, Clayton McMillan, famous retirements, and a few other things as well. Uh, Louis Herman Watts also going to join us for a Love Racing update, and we'll catch up uh, with the latest offerings from the TAB. After 11, Andrew Gaze, the Australian basketball great, is going to join us. Uh, we'll talk breakers with him. We'll talk NBL in general as well. Right now, though, it is time to talk snow sports uh, with Ruby Andrews. It's just 17, winning the free ski slope style junior world champs in Switzerland uh, yesterday. Uh, Luke Hetzel, the high performance athlete development manager for Park and Pipe for Snow Sports New Zealand joins us. G'day Luke, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks mate. It must have brought a, a big smile to the dial uh, to see this result come through, particularly on the back of uh, what went so well for us at the uh, recent Winter Olympics. 
Yeah, um, we've been smiling all week, or all, all last week and into this week. Um, most successful Olympics, most successful Paralympics, and most successful Junior Worlds. So we're pretty happy. That would suggest that uh, you, you're doing your job, mate. I'd be I'd be looking for that review sooner <laughs> rather than later. Uh, I think I think you've ticked all your KPIs, and you must be in line for a race. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll put you on. Put my boss on after after this. Yeah, <laughs> we will do that, mate. We will do that. Now, now, talk to us a little bit about Ruby because I know that she's had a lot of injury issues. I mean, uh, going back, I think uh, when was it to uh, 2019 when she won the ladies' slope style at the uh, USASA Nationals? Um, and I mean, yeah. she did that, didn't yeah. she? Have a, a damaged heel in that, and then not long after, do something to her knee. Well, I don't remember the heel. The, the skiers often have bruised heels. Um, oh, it kind of rings a bell. Uh, but they're, they're in pretty hard boots, so that, that tends to happen if they come up short. Uh, the, the big injury was, was that knee that she had um, just under two years ago now. Um, and it turned out to be a big, uh, pretty big repair and um, 18 months off. So she's been inching her way back and... and uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see her. I mean, this is her first event back, really. So awesome to see her right back on top. Yeah, I mean, when you when you say that, you know, 18 months off the skis and first event back and, and she does this, uh, what do you think the ceiling is for Ruby? Is there one? Uh, yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> um, before before the injury, she was, I'd, I'd say, actually a little bit ahead of where she's at now. So um, that's quite time that she's, she's won the junior world and, and we know that she has... Uh, more potential even right now and um, she's she's hungry you know she she works hard and the domestic training season here has a tendency to really um, ramp up for some of the athletes so uh, I don't think we've seen her ceiling yet put it that way in terms of uh, you know your job with her um, obviously you've got to you keep in mind injuries at, at such a young age and a body that is still developing and growing how do you manage that while also trying to push to be at the top end of the sport internationally yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, that's something we work on quite a lot as uh, is load management for, for young athletes. Uh, so about figuring out how, how much space they've got in their bucket um, and trying to do things more efficiently and not just doing more. Uh, so that they are in the gym, but they're not doing too heavy of strength load stuff. It's more about movement. Um, we do our best to limit their time on snow, and, and we try to build in that, that fun and that play element into their training so they don't need to go and do that on top of training. I would imagine... Too much, but... Yeah. I was going to say, imagine taking impact-type uh, impact exercises out of the joints would, would be a big one for you as well, right? Yeah, so they periodize throughout the year. So in the off-season, they'll do a little bit more strength, a little more plyo stuff, some explosiveness. And through the season, it's a little more maintenance, a little more movement and balance, um, just to, to not add too much to that load. How much are they doing in the water? Uh, I mean, you know, just thinking of the buoyancy and water you can do. You can do strength in water, but it does take the pressure off the knees. Is, is that something that you guys use? Uh, it's not. We, we do take them surfing occasionally to, <laughs> to get them out off the snow. Uh, we tr- we try and do some different different sports and different outings to um, you know really add that holistic growth and that team growth and, and just keep it fun. But we haven't done any actual strength training in the season.
Yeah, right. Uh, it's interesting. The, uh, I mean, the last thing you want is for an athlete like Ruby, obviously, to to do everything that she's done, but to be, you know, sort of off the skis permanently by twenty four because of because of injury issues and on, ongoing body problems, right? So, um, what what are the day by day steps, and 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 what does a week look like for an athlete like Ruby at the moment? Uh, well, she's she's moved back to lax now, and, and day by day she'll she'll be training three to four days a week, depending on the intensity on snow. They get up early, they do their their warm up, their activation to get get the body warm, and they're usually done training by one or two. Um, there's no point in training you know, eight straight hours. So they get in there, do what they need to do, and then they get back to have some rest and recovery. They'll do some more stretching. We make sure they're eating well, they're sleeping well. But of course, you know, injuries injuries are a risk. We do our, our best to mitigate it, but it is a action sport. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, a, a part and parcel. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the uh, pathway now for Ruby, obviously she's won this uh, freestyle slope, uh, free ski slope style junior world champs in Switzerland. I mean, is there any more for her to achieve in the juniors, or is now the step to uh, to competing with uh, the, uh, you know everybody in the open categories? Uh, I think the, the next step for her is to, is to move up. Um, so the next, the next level is the World Cup event, um, and we'll probably see her crack into that next Northern Hemisphere season. Um, and that next step up, the courses don't change a lot. They do get a little bit bigger, but um, she'll be meeting the best athletes in the sport. So there'll be a learning experience, a learning curve to, being rubbing, to rubbing shoulders with those athletes, and then I think we'll see her start to put some results down. Well, it should be fantastic. I mean, you know, we've got Zoe, obviously, who's who's done so well, and Nico as well. And I mean, the, their ages aren't that far apart. I mean, how much are they able to to help someone like Ruby with their experiences at, uh, you know, the Olympics? Yeah, massively. Um, it goes all the way up the pathway. You know, the younger athletes are already looking up to Ruby, um, and Ruby has spent. She's been on a few camps with Nico and uh, Tommy, his his coach, and. The, the camaraderie here um, within the sport uh, across borders as well as within New Zealand is massive. So uh, we absolutely look to our senior athletes to, to lead that next generation. Yeah, and how big, I mean, you know, I... I'm 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 old and haven't done a lot on snow. Uh, let's, uh, let's let's be honest, Luke. But how, <laughs> what's the balance like between skiers and boarders? Because I, you know, was of the uh, I was under the impression not long ago that you know skiing was was something that uh, that, that only your mum and dad did, and everybody was on boards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think mum and dad started snowboarding, so then kids started skiing. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, honestly, the, it's, a, it's a tricky question because some years it's, it's heavily snowboard and some years it's heavily ski. It, it does seem to go um, kind of ebbs and flows and uh, move back and forth. Um, and we do seem to have clusters of uh, within certain age groups in the opposite discipline. Um, but really it's 50-50. I think it's just more that you get some variance in their ages. Yeah, I suppose you'd see too, you know, I mean, it's something as visible as the Olympics or the X Games if we have a successful athlete here, say, on the boards that more kids will want to board versus ski or vice versa, depending on, on what happens to be successful at the time. Yeah, and the good news is we have a um, man and a woman, and we have a skier and a snowboarder. Mm. So um, <laughs> hopefully we've covered our bases in inspiring next uh, generation. Yeah, that's beautifully managed by you, Luke. Sorry, say that again. It's beautifully managed by you, the way you've set that up to cover all the bases. <laughs> yeah, 
I think, uh, I mean, you know, we have to say there's a little luck, luck there um, and hard work. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little, mate, just a little. Uh, in terms of what the success means, um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the, uh, uh, the, world champ, the junior world champs, uh, the X Games, the Olympics, you know, we've had success everywhere. What does this mean from a snow sports New Zealand point of view in terms of funding? What is it, uh, is it going to allow you to do more? Um, yeah, so we, we have moved up through the HPS and the system without getting too technical. We're, we're at that top level now. Um, and we go in in a couple of months and chat to them about what we want to do and, and what it's going to cost. Um, so we think we have a pretty good leg to stand on. And we haven't had that conversation yet. And in terms of, uh, you know, the names that we should be looking out for, of course, you know, we, it wasn't too long ago that nobody knew who Zoe Sadowski, Senator Nico Porteous were sort of in the wider sporting world. Uh, Ruby Andrews is another new name for us. I mean, how many of these new names are you, gonna guys, you guys going to keep throwing at us? And, uh, and how, how, how big is the stable? And, and, I mean, how successful can we be, say, in four years' time? Yeah, well, I mean, we're feeling pretty good right now, so... Ruby was just one of two gold medals. Gustav uh, Lignoski had the first gold medal of the junior world. Um, he's, he's done his own thing a little bit more, but we, we support him um, where we can. And then we've had Cam uh, Melville Ives get a second place um, and Luca Harrington get a second place, followed by uh, three or four more athletes getting um, fifths and sevenths. So it feels good. Um, it, it feels like we're on the right track. We certainly have a healthy and happy group of kids. So it feels good. That's good. That's good. I mean, I mean, this latest uh, Olympics, for example, I, I know. I think we had the the largest uh, snow well, winter sports team, winter games team we'd ever sent. Uh, I know. I know we're we're a few years away from that, but I mean, as you look at it now, yeah. do you do you expect us to exceed that again uh, in four years? Uh, it's, it's interesting question. I mean, we're. we're I suppose we're not necessarily looking for um, maximum numbers. Um, so it, it'll be, you know, whoever's whoever's putting their hand up at that point, um, if we can support them and they make the they meet the criteria, then they'll be going. So um, yeah, we might have a couple more than this time. Yeah, hope, hopefully it's uh, reflected in the amount of hardware we bring home. Yeah, now Luke, I mean obviously you're the High Performance Athlete Development Manager for Park and Pipe uh, for Snow Sports New Zealand. What about you? What about your career? Where do you, where do you want to go from here and, and, and what else do you want to achieve? <laughs> I mean, I've started with that one. Uh, no one's ever asked me about myself. Um, <laughs> oh, you, know, I, 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 um, you know, I love being part of this team and the Snow Sports team. You know, it's pretty cool to be able to say you're part of an Olympic medal winning team. So for me, I just want to, um, uh, for now, keep keep looking upwards here and um, keep contributing where I can and keep becoming more and more of an expert on um, youth development. I find it really interesting to to see how we can promote and support these young athletes without falling into some of the traps that I think have, have gained negative connotations over the years, how, how we can do it the right way, how we can support them to be world champions. Fantastic, Luke. Well, you're doing a, a great job. I'll get uh, I'll get Logan to, to send the uh, the podcast of this interview to you, so you can give it to your boss uh, for when you have that uh, that that meeting um, about your KPIs. Yeah.
Well, then I'll just sit back and play it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. There you are. I need to yeah. say nothing else. Yeah. I need to say nothing else. I really yeah. appreciate your time, Luke. Uh, good to chat, and congratulations on, on, on so much hard work really paying off, and I uh, look forward to seeing what's next. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, good to chat. And, um, yeah, have a good one. Yeah, will do. Uh, Luke Hetzel there with us, the High Performance Athlete Development Manager for Park and Pipe at Snow Sports New Zealand. It is 17 past 10 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in the hot seat while Smithy is away on World Cup duty. Keep your text coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. We are asking about the Mount Rushmore of Warriors, your favourite Warriors. Who are you chiselling into that mountain face? Uh, keep those coming in with had a bunch come in uh, I'm picking that Nathan is a rugby union fan and uh, I don't know if this is a, a, his legit four or if he's just baiting us uh, but his this is his four John Kerwin, Frano Bodica Mark Ellis, Matthew Ridge what have all those four guys have in common uh, might have played a bit of union before they signed for the Warriors, Nathan thanks for your text Double eight, double three. keep them coming through also follow SENZ underscore radio on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and send us a DM with the words the race for your chance to win a half percent share in Self Assured if Self Assured wins the race at Cambridge Raceway April 14 one lucky winner will walk away with a half percent share of the winnings from the race which is supposed to be Logan around uh, two grand yeah, that sounds mighty good. So make sure you jump in on that. Hit us up with a DM there on our social channels. Of course, uh, right now coming up after the break, we have the Dilma Expertise Panel where they're going to bring up their Mount Rushmore. Jo- join us very shortly on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. It is 10.23 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Paul in the hot seat for him while he's on World Cup duty. Uh, our expertise panel today, uh, joining us out of uh, sunny Tauranga is Sam Ackerman. G'day Sam, how you doing? Yeah, great Ricardo, you mate? Yeah, good, thank you mate. And the big boss man is in the studio. I'm not feeling any pressure at all. Ruben Bradley joins us. G'day Rubes, how are you mate? I'm good Ricardo, thank you. Hey Sammy, how are you mate? Good, mate, good. That's a really strange time to do a performance review right in the middle of, a, um, <laughs> right in the, middle of the show, but fair enough, can't blame you. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Mystery it's, not, boss. it's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty, Sam, uh, I've got to say. Hey, uh, speaking of not looking pretty, the Warriors, let's start there. Um, Sean Johnson uh, apparently out with a pec strain, although some people are saying it's a, a, it's a, a potentially an ego strain after Tony <laughs> Kemp's comments. Um, we also have uh, Dylan Watini-Zelezniak out uh, as well, uh, missing, a, missing a few, Sammy. How how, how big are these injuries impacting on the Warriors' start to the season? Oh, look, they're definitely not going to be helpful because the, the one thing I said is I'd, who they go for in the halves, I didn't mind it. Uh, I wasn't that concerned because I thought that the, the depth across was relatively even. But what they need is game time and being uh, given the chance to uh, pick and stick and build combinations because the last thing the Warriors can do when they do have halves of this quality, it's really easy to chop and change a lot, and that will not help the Warriors, and this will not help uh, the Warriors, because no matter what the combination was, you had Johnson and uh, the seven jersey. That was the, everybody else was working for the six. So I'm uh, definitely, I find it's just it's going to be a massive disruption. I, uh, Tony was uh, on the money that it wasn't Sean's uh, greatest game, and I, listen, uh, 
Kempe, um, I don't know if you guys have worked this out yet. He's, he speaks he speaks straight from uh, from the heart. He's quite a shoot from the hip uh, of a coach as well. And uh, he is the guy that thinks the Rocket would do something good for Sean Johnson. I don't think that um, that Nathan Brown would have been in that same category. I don't think that's how he coaches. But uh, it does mean that uh, he has time to think about the elements of his game that didn't work out well. He can analyse them and work on them. But these injuries are massively disruptive to the back line. Uh, that was going to have a, a big change anyway. Is Reese Walsh coming back? So uh, this is this is really un- unfortunate and unfair signs for the Warriors to be in this situation. Let's be fair though. Every team in the competition and every team in sport is used to regular disruptions over the last couple of years. So players coming in and out injury shouldn't be as big an issue uh, as we've as we've uh, kind of thought in the pre-pandemic era because we're so used to uh, everything changing on a dime. Yeah, Viliami Vailea, of course, uh, from the centres is the other player that's going to be missing. He's done a, yeah. uh, a um, medial ligament in his knee as well, Ruben. I mean, you know, you look at this, uh, you start a season, they, they, they missed the trial match as well, obviously, due to floods and things. So this almost felt like a final trial match, and that's kind of how it looked at times. Uh, what's your take on these injuries? I I suppose the they're not season-ending injuries, so I don't see it as catastrophic, but really, really disappointing and upsetting because when you look at a strong Warriors team, it's been when you've, and, and any strong NRL team, it's when you've got a good six and seven, and too often Warriors have had a great halfback or, you know, one, and we've never had that double combo, you know, there, and so I think that's hugely important. So to, so to have damage, you know, when, you, when you've got options in both those, and then, ah, then after one game, we've lost that, that option, um, that's... That's what hurts. Yeah, that does hurt. I, I wasn't massively uh, impressed by Cody Nicarima on the weekend either, Sam. So I guess the question for you is, with Reese Walsh coming back in at, at, at fullback, is it Chanel, Tavita Harris and Cody in the halves, or does Ash Taylor get an opportunity? Uh, listen, I think that this is custom-made, putting Ash Taylor in to see how he will go. Ash Taylor's addition to depth for this uh, squad was to be able to be that on-field general. He's done it at um, at several clubs to varying levels of success, but he has experience in that role. He's used to being the on-field marshal, and I don't think it's um, the right move to put uh, the other, you know, put Cody and uh, and Chanel in together. And certainly, I don't think they should drop Cody after. Uh, one game because if you pick him, you got to back him beyond one average performance. He wasn't terrible. Uh, he just needs to. Uh, I think everyone who's making playmaking decisions in that game needs to have a bit more focus uh, and more control of what they're doing. Uh, I would definitely think this is custom made to giving um, Ash Taylor a run. If you're going to pick him in your squad, if you think he's there for um, more than just injury cover, then you know this is first of all an injury and second of all a great opportunity to see if he can. Uh, marshal his team around. He definitely seems to have jumped above uh, Chanel in the in the picking order right now. So let's see what he's got. Yeah, let's see what he's got indeed. I tell you, somebody who's shown us what they've got that is Clayton McMillan. Uh, you know, two seasons ago, brought in as an assistant to Warren Gatlin. They have an awful season, don't win a game uh, in the New Zealand Super Rugby comp. Uh, then he gets goes off to do the Lions. Clayton gets them to a final. Now he's taken them to Christchurch and beaten the Crusaders in their own backyard for the first time in six years. Ruben, how good is Clayton McMillan? Well, I don't want us to underestimate the influence that will be coming from a director of rugby position you know, in, in regards to Warren Gatland. And I know he had a terrible season with them, but I just feel that was sort of a write-off season anyway, distracted by the obligations that were going to come the year after as well. Um, it's not a guy that, you know, has, has had a huge coaching profile and sort of, I don't know, from my perspective, you know, had been under the radar mm. and then obviously doing a great job here as well. Um, but something that happened on uh, 
uh, Saturday night that uh, he has spoken about before is, is his game plan that played out exactly right. It's a simple game plan, but it's that very simple strategy. Lots of phases get to a high phase count, patience, and then eventually release the backs. And that is exactly how they won that game on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So it's a strategy put in play, and it worked perfectly. So in that sense, you know, it's a, it's a plan laid out, plan paid off. So yes, you have to give uh, you know ups to him because his his plan worked. His plan did work. Sam, I know he's uh, from your neck of the woods uh, in in Tauranga. He had a successful Bay of Plenty team for for a while in the Bunnings NPC. He's uh, been a pretty good uh, coach too of the uh, of the Maori All Blacks. Um, I mean, you know, the names get thrown around for All Black coaches and things like that, and we're always talking Scott Robertson. But should Clayton McMillan potentially be in that conversation now? Nope. Uh, he shouldn't. Uh, it's not. It's too too quick, too soon. He is uh, a. You mentioned his, his back his background with the uh, with the bay down here and uh, and the Māori All Blacks. That, uh, and he has been ticking boxes as he goes. And he's a he's a, a quiet achiever. He's not a. Um, you know, he's not break dancing in the middle of pitches. He's not um, doing things to get the uh, the limelight when he speaks. He speaks measuredly, and he has a lot of that Dave Rennie factor um, about him. And the thing that. Warren Gatlin is, of course, a Mulu man from way back, but he's a Mulu man from way back. A lot of his, uh, his real coaching um, strength and drive and, and uh, focus was really honed overseas. So he brings that overseas view to New Zealand. That's something that was talked about being important for an all-black coach to understand the world game. We haven't seen it be quite as successful coming back and coaching in the New Zealand game at super rugby level and, uh, and below. So I think that uh, he gets the players, uh, Clayton McMillan. I think that uh, the, the culture that's there he's a part of, he's been part of fostering that through his teams. And I think that you're getting that laid back, t- treating, uh, treating it as though you are part of that uh, that culture is a priority. Um, that football really comes shines through for me. It feels very much like uh, the Chiefs from Dave Rennie took over. Yeah, indeed. All right, good stuff. This is the expertise panel with Dilma on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Time to get away to news with Aroha, but uh, when we come back, we will be talking the Warriors, the Mount Rushmore of Warriors and retirement reversals. The expertise panel brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. It's 27 away from 11 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for him while he's on World Cup duty. And uh, as part of our Dilmar expertise panel, we have Sam Ackerman and Ruben Bradley, the boss man as well. Ruben, we'll start with you on this one. Um, retirement reversals, of course. Uh, Tom Brady mm. uh, coming out of retirement, if unretiring. Uh, there was a guy who uh, only a couple of days ago bought the last ball he threw for a touchdown in the NFL for... $500,000. Oh, no. uh, I don't know how much that's worth now. Um, but where does this sit in terms of retirement reversals for you? Well, I, I guess we, I didn't write this down. Um, but when you look at that post he put out, I don't believe he used the word retirement. And, and I just kind of went along with it. But, I, but now that people have pointed it out, it's like, well, it wasn't really an absolutely definitive retirement statement at the time anyway. Mm. But everyone just decided they wanted that story and ran with it. Um, he has appeared to imply in the last couple of days that this is a reversal, but the initial statement wasn't as strong as it could have been. So I think he perhaps left this door open. Yeah, he, I think he did leave the door very much open. And some, Sam, saying that it was after he saw Cristiano Ronaldo, the go to football, <laughs> score a hat trick at Old Trafford, that, that he went, hang on, I want more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made the decision for him. What do you make of it? 
Uh, I strongly believe that Manchester United have that kind of influence, um, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, second, of, second of all, uh, yeah, I, look, clearly there's not, nothing going on in this guy's life. I mean, he's got all that money. He's married to a supermodel. Could do anything he wants, whenever he wants, uh, no matter what. Uh, but no, tell you what, I'd rather have linebackers just keep rushing at me. Tell you what, the next, you know what his last snap's going to be? His arm. That's his last snap. He's going to play till he's sixty, and he's going to get rushed and thrashed. But he is—he's he's the goat, obviously. He's incredible. Uh, what he's done, uh, he can do anything he likes on his terms. If he says I'm going to keep playing, there will be at least half the league lining up, going, "Yep, I'm in. Come, come here, buddy. We we want you." So uh, he is. I listen. To say that the door is left open, I think is is fair from Ruben. Uh, but his 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 club, you know, Tampa Bay. We're talk, we're saying he's gone. He's not coming back. Like they, they. If, if he was leaving the door open, he definitely pulled the wall over their eyes um, along the way. So uh, a comeback will be uh, interesting. But yeah, we've seen a lot of comebacks. So, uh, I, I think you know, experiencing Stacey Jones returns to the Warriors, the excitement that came with that. Uh, but you know, it wasn't that we didn't see the Stacey Jones that we knew and loved because he was obviously later on in his, his career. It was still great to see him on the field. I remember a game against Manly with a, an incredible couple of touches. Um, so it's all, I'd rather have more Stacey than this, but I think that we're going to see that with Brady as well. I don't think we're going to keep seeing the extreme quality that said he has defied father time long enough. And what did Brady say? Un- was the phrase unfinished business? Mm. What would you know about unfinished business? <laughs> You've achieved pretty much everything. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. no, that's not the case. What? Well, that's a, it was a question I asked Mike Carlson we had on earlier. It's like, you know, he's he broke away from Belichick, went to Tampa to prove it wasn't Belichick winning Super Bowls, <laughs> it was him. So, yeah, it, it, it's a big question mark for me. Hey, gentlemen, we are doing uh, on the uh, on the show today the Mount Rushmore of Warriors. And it's it's not most successful Warriors or best Warriors, but your favourite Warriors. Which four names are you chiseling into your Warriors Mount Rushmore? And I feel like we should probably start with Sam on this, Ruben. I think that's fair. Listen, first of all, um, thanks for giving me heads up on this uh, last night and making sure I didn't sleep. Uh, and good point, working out quadratic equations, looking like Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind on every window in the house. Uh, so this has been a, a very tough decision, and uh, my family do not thank you for that at all, Ricardo, just quietly. Um, they, they, they didn't want to see hear the replay of the, uh, the O2 Grand Final playing at four in the morning, but, you know, them's the breaks when you live with me. So... Uh, look, I found this a, 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 a tricky assignment, but I've, I've narrowed it down to the people who I looked forward to seeing the most, or, or would get me into the game the most, or I really want to see what they were going to do in this game. I started in a pretty unusual place, but I love the complete passion, dedication, uh, and the visceral commitment, let alone the, uh, the tackle technique of Michael Luck. He goes online. I, I just loved what Michael Luck brought to that team, and I can't imagine... I think the Warriors would have been just complete basket cases in the era uh, that he played if he wasn't there. Amazing. Manu Vatuve obviously comes with a um, uh, a different story now, unfortunately. But when I talk purely on football and when he was there, Manu Vatuve was bums on seats. Uh, the crowd pleased that, well, bums off seats most of the time, to be perfectly fair, when he uh, started rampaging down that win. So when he was, you know, 10 tries and 10 separate seasons of NRL, I mean, just just amazing. Uh, and I, I had to put Ruben Wickey in there. Um, same thing, when Ruben had the ball, I got thoroughly excited about it, uh, and uh, I, I still, if you ask me to think of 
Warriors highlights, uh, one of the very first thing that comes to mind is his wild eyes as he rages uh, in that uh, in that playoff game against the Roosters, running straight at Fia Soliola was was yeah spine tingling for me, and getting him I think was a massive uh, coup for uh, the Warriors uh, and really helped build uh, a bit of mana within that club. And the last one I agonised over, uh, but I'm going Roger Tuivasa-Shek just because I'd, I'd, every time he was in a game, I was act- actively looking around the field to find him uh, and what he, that he could bring the level of excellence he did from a, a, a huge team like the Roosters and keep it better. And some, you could say, play better in, in circumstances. Won the player of the year, the Dalian player of the year, playing for the Warriors, which has got to be... <laughs> No one would have seen that one coming. So uh, I, I'm going with those guys. Going to leave off a lot of very talented people and a lot of people I've got a lot of time for, but that's where I'll sit. No. Okay, Ruben, uh, what's All your right. riposte to that? Very good. Uh, only one crossover, actually. I'm oh, going to really? start with uh, Ali Lawatiti. Um to this yep. day, I see a good offload rugby or rugby union, uh, rugby league or rugby union, and I think Ali Lawatiti still still see that to this day. Uh, Steve Price, mm-hmm. um, so much time is for him as a leader and a person. Got to know him uh, on you know just just a tiny bit as a, as a really young producer uh, across across the road at uh, uh, Radio Sport. May she rest in peace. Um, and uh, and you know absolute really good guy and and made me look really good in front of my big brother <laughs> when he said, "Oh, hey, Ruben." And my brother was like, whoa, <laughs> Steve Bryce knows your name. Uh, Ruben Wiki, absolutely. That just felt like this homecoming, great signing after all those years at Canberra to have him come back or come to the Warriors was just, it felt yeah, spiritual. And uh, my number four, and just bearing in mind, this is about favourite yes. uh, players as well. Uh, you'll enjoy this one. Gene Namu. Gene uh, Namu, uh, because he's a Birkenhead College old boy. Birkenhead College doesn't have any All Blacks. So Gene Namu is, is right up there uh, as one of the greatest exports. From Birkenhead College. Oh, there you go. That's a, that's a great four as well. I, and I, I've just I've got to say because I, I can. I'm just going to drop this in here that I once played against Gene Namu hey. when I was playing under 18 open weight rugby league in Auckland for against the North Coast Tigers for the mighty Howard Hornets. Now he was playing for I think Marist Richmond oh, okay. or someone at the time. So uh, there you go, gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming on the uh, Dilma Expertise Panel. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah. I will see how the Warriors go against the Titans this weekend. I know, Sammy, you'll be hurting. Be a good one. Looking forward to it. Not hurting yet. (laughs) Not hurting yet. Good stuff. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Rubes. Thank you so much. Cheers. Uh, This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Between now and 11 o'clock, we'll have a Love Racing update with Louis Herman. We'll have a cross with the TAB to find out their specials as well. And we'll come back shortly with more of your texts on your Mount Rushmore of Warriors. With Ian Smith here on SENZ. Uh, just an update on those live matches. Uh, the Celtic have uh, managed to make their way through to the semi finals of the Scottish Cup, the 3 0 win over Dundee United. 88 minutes in, it's still Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City nil in the Premier League. The league leaders being held nil all at the moment. Real Madrid have scored three second half goals to lead Mallorca by uh, three goals to nil as well near the end of that one. And Lazio got up to beat Venezia 1 0 in Serie R as well. Uh, well Keep an eye on that Manchester City School. That could mean big things in the title race in the EPL. We have been asking you for your Warriors, your top four Warriors players, your favourite four Warriors players for the Mount Rushmore of Warriors. Uh, you can text us through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, uh, Temper and Bedpost, like no other. It is double eight double three, of course. Uh, we've had this come through from Dean, Stacey Jones, Kevin Campion, Kevin Edo, and Simon Mannering. 
As for Ruben, there is more to coaching than drinking kava. Uh, well, I, th- I think he's probably done a bit more than that. And the Kevin Ido shout, that's an interesting one for me. I know this is favourites, so you know it's, it's all a matter of opinion. But Kevin Ido only actually played one season for the Warriors, 16 games, uh, two tries. So that was back in, I think, 98, after he'd been at the Hunter Mariners in the old Super League. Um, so interesting shout from Dean. Thanks for your text, Dean. Uh, Mark, my Mount Rushmore, Jacob Lillyman, oh, the, the bull. Uh, makes an appearance. Steve Price, Ruben Wiki, and Stacey Jones. Uh, chuck a wee mad butcher along the sideline somewhere. You can't handle Warriors without mentioning the butch, can we? Uh, so, yeah, the butch uh, sort of as the sub for the four there for Mark in his Mount Rushmore of uh, favourite Warriors players. Uh, hi, Ricardo. Hytro Okasini has to be one of my favourites. Not the greatest, but he just ran hard every time. Cheers, Carl. Yep, no, he definitely, he makes uh, several appearances, actually. Uh, Nathan, uh, who's texted through from Southland's got Hytro Okasini in his as well. Also, Ali Lautiti, Sam Rapera, and Aifeta Paliasina as well. So uh, thanks for your text, Nathan. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. That is the temper bedpost text machine. Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And uh, we'll finish, I think, on these two. Uh, Mannering, Price, Jones and Campion. Players that would front every week. That's their biggest issue, not performing week out, week in for uh, the Warriors. That is uh, cheers from Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I mean, consistency is a big thing and uh, that... To be fair, when I unveil my four, uh, consistency is a big part of that as well, guys that did it week in, week out. We don't disagree on a couple in there, it's fair to say. And then this one from Ted. Hi, guys. My Mount Rushmore, Simon Mannering, the longest-serving one-club player. Stacey Jones, the most talented and consistent player to wear the jersey. Sean Johnson, the first real superstar that can generate headlines. And Tohu Harris will become the Warriors, the first Warriors captain to win the comp. Massive call from Ted, but I like it. I like the passion, uh, and I like the belief. Uh, if there's a bloke, Logan, that has the faith on the text machine, it is Ted. Yeah, huge call there from Ted. I, I do like that, though, because uh, mad respect for a player and a guy like Torhu Harris. You know, when I've talked to him before in the past, he's just always been so warm and welcoming, and he's you know he loves to give his time. So I uh, always appreciate uh, an athlete like that that wants to give himself to the people. Uh, he's a great captain and a great role model. And, I mean, all four of his picks are outstanding. I, I don't really know how you can go past Simon Mannering. I know... It's subjective, it's personal. We're talking about favourites here, not best, but he was both. He was both. Yeah, he was. He was a cult hero and he was uh, the most consistent performer week in, week out for a long time for the Warriors. Uh, We are 10 away from 11 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. When we come back, we have a love racing update with the man they call the hyphen, Louis Herman Watt, and we'll also hear from the TAB as well. Date, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yeah, five away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for him. And joining me now is the hyphen, Louis Herman Watt, who's uh, the hardest man, working man in radio. He's still here from his 4.30 start with the breakfast show. Uh, mate, uh, loveracing.nz. Uh, what's the what's the update, mate? There's no races today. We've got some in Matter Matter on Wednesday, don't we? Mate, you're, you go out in the market a dollar twenty for hardest working man in radio. I mean, you're, you're doing the double days. I'm just I'm just that lazy breakfast guy who comes in and swans off and, get, and goes to sleep, watches dry to survive and I tell you what else the racing great 
Do you know, this is, I get it, love racing. This is where we talk about New Zealand Thorough Racing. We, yeah. we love NZTR. Yeah, good on you. More importantly, <laughs> I, tell you who, I tell you who actually loves racing, and that is Sam Pinfold taking the pin out of the flag, out of the 17th green at the players, where his man, Cam Smith, has a two-shot lead on the 17th. He's about to stiff a birdie to go three clear of Paul Casey. And they're going to clean up, I think, about three and a half million US to leak together. And I'll tell you where that caddy slice is going. Yeah. TAB.co.nz. <laughs> he's going to look through the fields and he's going to find himself an absolute ripper this weekend. Look at this shot on the 17th here from Cam Smith. Balls of steel goes absolutely flag hunting. And everyone knows the famous 17th. And he just puts it right neck about six foot off the pin. That, that flag placement too, you know, front right is just like, ooh, to attack that, that's ballsy. You can just feel and hear everyone's... <laughs> and um, these guys, Cam Smith, great Aussie, Sam Pinfold, great New Zealander. Go on, boys. Um, yeah, racing at Matter Matter tomorrow and Trentham this weekend. We'll sort that out later in the week. Okay, good stuff. There's your love racing update with Louie Herman Watt. And joining us on the phone out of the tab is uh, B-Pops, Brendan Popperwell. G'day, mate. How you doing? Hey, Ricardo. Yeah, all good, man. Just... Uh Gripping on, watching the last little bit of this golf, uh, and um, just quickly around the golf too, around Cameron Smith. We've seen some punters that were keen to get beating during this live uh, betting, of course, around the fourth round and the players. Three and a half thousand on Cam Smith to win at a dollar ninety-seven, two and a half thousand at a dollar fifty-seven, and with, with him just landing it like he did on the seventeenth, things are looking good for that punter. And there were some big bets placed on him pre uh, round one at thirty-fours and forty-one dollars. So uh, things are looking good for those punters. Uh, just with the Cricket World Cup coming up, of course, uh, Australia play the West Indies. Now, just a slight delay. The toss will be shortly, but uh, all the money is with Australia. A dollar ten. We've seen a couple of the thousand dollar bets coming through on the Australian woman, and also on the top run scorer. Uh, we're seeing money once again for Alyssa Healy at around that four thirty three mark. Yeah, that looks uh, look, looks like pretty good money, mate. Uh, apparently, Sam Pinfold, who's Cameron Smith's uh, caddy, is a Kiwi and a big punter, mate. Uh, so Louis reckons that uh, three hundred sixty thousand he's going to pocket. Everybody at the TAB is getting bonuses if they clean this up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, the, oh, he's a he's a good man. I tell you that much. He's, he's, he loves a punt. Yeah, <laughs> that, that three hundred sixty k according uh, that he's going to pocket according to Louis is going straight into his TAB account. Um, so uh, yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be a great day at the punt uh, for him, mate. Uh, What's your best today? Oh, gee, I, I think we just got to get around this, this woman's cricket. Really, I think uh, anything to do with Australia. Uh, I know they're a dollar ten, but I mean, surely we start looking to maybe towards the Timberwolves. I, I'm keen on the Timberwolves in the NBA. Uh, they're playing the, the Spurs around sort of that dollar sixty mark. Perfect. We'll get on that. B pops, good stuff, mate. Appreciate your time. Go well uh, with the TAB. Of course, uh, you can bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today, and you can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R eighteen in the next hour. Your chance to win a fifty dollars TAB bet with a stumped by Ricardo instead of stumped by Smithy, and some sleep drops. Uh, and we'll also wrap up the Mount Rushmore of Warriors. The all new SCNZ is. Kiwi for sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
It's three past eleven here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in the hot seat for him with Smithy at the cricket uh, for Sky and of course uh, the Windies uh, taking on Australia at the Cricket World Cup. I can tell you the Windies have won the toss and have elected to bat so uh, that'll be interesting to see how they go. Of course they've knocked over England, they have knocked over New Zealand. How will they go against the unbeaten Australians? Uh, We'll keep you up to date with that across the day here on SENZ. Of course uh, we're just about... Uh, to get uh, see Cameron Smith tee off on the final hole of the final round at the players as well. Currently holds a three-shot lead after showing absolute balls of steel on the 17th, attacking the pin at the front right and then birdieing that. Uh, so three shots he holds a lead over Paul Casey. We'll keep you up to date with that. I know... Uh, Andrew Gaze will uh, be keeping an eye on that. Uh, one of his uh, great countrymen in Cameron Smith, uh, n- not the former Melbourne Storm hooker, but the golfer. Uh, Gaze, you got an eye on this, mate? My word, I have. He's, uh, he's dri- On the 18th, he's driven into the trees into the right, so he's got a stroke buffer, but it looks um, it looks like he's still in reasonable shape. The way he's been able to recover, and I love your description, the balls of steel on the 17th. It was every bit of that. It was an incredible shot. But um, he went to the right of the flag and the water. There was only about two metres between his shot and the water. So it was an incredible hit. But, um, yeah, hopefully Cam can hang on here and and, um, and come away with a, a great win and uh, certainly enhance his bank balance a fair bit because this is some genuine money for these fellas that are playing here today. Oh, mate, be, apparently, uh, what, about 3.6 million US if you win this? So uh, yeah. not, to, not to be sneezed at. I think the, I think the top ten uh, earn over a million in this one. So uh, and that's a, a million of the greenback variety. So that's about seven zillion Australian dollars these days. But um, it's still it's still. I hate to think I'm how sure many Kiwi pesos that is, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You're, we're in the same bucket, I think. But um, but no, it, it's been fantastic. And I don't. I mean, I know we're here to talk about the hoops, but uh, he started off with all those birdies, and then on. Seven and eight and nine, he had bogey, all three of it, and then he, he's come back, and as I understand, he's, on the, he's going to the 18th, but on this back nine, he's one-putted every single green, oh, with the exception of the 16th, excuse me, but he's one-putted all but one green, so he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this is uh, this is your golf update with Andrew Gaze here on ECNZ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, as you said, we should talk. We should talk some hoops, mate. And uh, of course, uh, uh, over here the focus is is always on the breakers. And uh, they've had a, they've had a tough season. They've done it tough. They they had that win over the the thirty sixes yep. the other day, um, who looked dead and buried as well. Now, uh, and they went to Perth. You know, the old adversaries up against the the Wildcats. That's that's never a friendly rivalry. Those two. Those those two clubs uh, don't, don't tend to like each other, and boy, they they turned it on. And you got to feel a little bit uh, sorry for them to, to lose that no tee the way they performed. No, extremely sorry for them. It's been a Herculean performance by the Breakers. They're, they're a much better team than re- their record would indicate, and it's really been the injuries and, of course, being away from home that um, has made the going tough for them. But when they've got their full squad together, like they did last night, they can compete with the very best and uh, in a strange atmosphere with no fans playing a game in Tasmania against a team that uh, that's having another real good crack at a, a championship uh, when I was driving to the game because I was commentating it I was thinking geez this could get a little bit sloppy given the way um, Perth have been on a, on an incredible roll they, they beat Melbourne United 
um, a, a last week in a game where they put up 97 points against the best defensive team in the competition. But to the New Zealand Breakers' credit, they hung in there. They shot the ball incredibly well. And uh, in the end of the day, we're very unlucky not to win. It took a, a Bryce Cotton three with 1.4 seconds remaining uh, to get the win. And it was uh, it was one of the great games of the entire season, if not the best game of the entire season, where the, uh, the, the Breakers unlucky not to win it in regulation. Dick Law, they... They threw it in the low post, and he turned around when the break is a couple points up with um, only uh, four or five seconds remaining. So it was uh, they they were unlucky twice not to come away with a win. But um, hopefully, it's good signs the way in which they can finish the season in a real positive fashion. Yeah, well, that's what they need uh, because you know they've been such a successful franchise for so long in this competition. I think uh, the competition's better for it as well. What do you yeah. make of, of of Matt Walsh's ownership and the way he's gone about building the roster? Well, I think he's put together a really nice squad. Uh, we saw last night Hugo Bassomel, who was just uh, superb, seventeen points in that third. Uh, quarter and and he is not one of the, the the development players or the next star players. He's actually one of their imports and justifiably so. Is only twenty years of age. Um, Usman Jiang, he looks like he's going to be a draft pick. A lot of the the NBA people that I speak to say that he could actually nudge into the first round, given his length and um, the way in which the, he's so agile, getting up and down the floor. He, he, his numbers this season, he's only shooting a three ball at around 24%, but he, you can tell that, that um, that's just maturity. He, he's got a nice-looking stroke. So uh, those two players have, have, have been fantastic. Uh, Yanni Wetzel is a sensation. Um, if not for a few injuries, he's one of those ones that uh, would be an all-star five category. He's been fantastic all season and uh, just had a bit of bad luck with, with injuries. Peyton Seaver is, is a nice import. Uh, you know, he's got incredible um, uh, pedigree, winning a, a championship, a, 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 an NCAA title with Louisville. So I think that um, the ownership has done a really good job of putting a good team together and just uh, not playing any home games. When you have a competition that's so evenly balanced and not being able to, to play at home makes that a, um, an incredible tough ask. And, uh, and, and for two years in a row virtually now, the breakers have had to do that, so it's been a Herculean performance. And unfortunately for them, they they haven't been able to um, get the wins you could normally expect with the squads they've put together. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. What what about Dan Shamir as a coach in terms of the style of basketball um, he has got them playing? Yeah. How do you think that sits with you know what uh, the breakers have shown previously? Yeah, I, I like a lot of the stuff he does. I think that with the way he runs his um, offensive sets, it's got a a bit of a European flavour to it, as you would expect. And, um, you know, I, I think that he's done a really good job under trying circumstances. Very, very hard to uh, keep morale um, high when you've got injuries, you're away from home, and you don't have that, that uh, fan support, and, of course, the, the family and friend support that comes to the players. So uh, his challenge has not necessarily been uh, cued into the X's and O's because we... We know he's he, he's got those down pat. You know he's very very good at at um, at figuring out schemes. It's just more in in and how you keep the, the group engaged um, for such a long period of time on the road. And um, you know there are people that make judgment about them. Just simply look at the record and say, well, well maybe he hasn't kicked that box. But 
I don't subscribe to that theory when you put in context all the challenges that he's had to face. Yeah, and he's had plenty of those, mate. I tell you, a team that uh, had a lot of challenges uh, for their debut season was the Tasmania Jam- Jack Jumpers. I mean, you, know, you look yeah. at the roster they'd pulled together, and I, I thought they'd be battling it out for the spoon this season, to be honest, mate. So for them to still be in contention for the playoffs, I think, says a lot about uh, the people behind that franchise. I oh, spot on. I looked at their roster and I thought, well, it's cobbled together some, some decent free agents without necessarily um, the marquee guy. Will Magnate was that marquee guy, but he hasn't been there for a fair chunk of the season because of injury. So they, uh, Scott Roth has done a Herculean performance in the way in which he's been able to play a brand of basketball that gives them the best chance. They're scrappy. They're annoying. They're one of those teams that you hate to play against. And um, in more recent times, what they've been able to do is, is um, play some defense, stop teams, kick, kick, the, kick the game in, in, um, uh, in, in a situation where they don't have to, 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 to score over 90 in order to win. So I think strategically, Scott Roth has done an outstanding job of, of really putting in a game plan that suits the personnel that he has. And um, if you get a, you know, if you look to the, to the future, they threw in a couple of, um, uh, you know, upgrade their imports and uh, another player here or there, and, and they're not far away from actually contending for a, a championship. So it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a great story, like you say, because of uh, the Tasmania and have a new franchise in the competition. It's never easy. They've already gone past with 10 wins. What uh, new franchises have done over the last 10, 15 years, you look back to when Brisbane came into, into the competition, you look back to when the Phoenix come into the competition, and uh, they were both around the nine, uh, nine wins. So they're, they're um, you know, I wouldn't quite put a line to them for not making the playoffs yet. They're, they're, I mean, I don't think they'll get there, but with their record and the way they're playing, you don't have to stretch your imagination too far to see how they could actually figure in, in um, finals basketball. Yeah, I mean, who do you like? I mean, looking at the ladder now, you've got you got Melbourne at the top, Perth uh, just in behind there with 13 wins. Then, yep. then Sydney, who... Always, the, the, all the talk is about Sydney, and they always kind of just feel like they don't quite deliver what they should. And then the, the South, yeah. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, uh, that rounds out the top four with Illawarra uh, just outside. Yeah, well, that's right. And, um, you know, Illawarra, that, they were ones that most of us before the start of the season were expecting that they could take that, that leap. You know, they lost a, uh, a three-game series in the semifinals last season, and they, they changed their team a little bit from a more defensive personnel to, to bring in some offense, and it hasn't, hasn't worked out uh, the way they would like. They are still very much in the hunt, and I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to them and the Phoenix as to who fills that fourth spot uh, in the playoffs. So I, I think that Sydney, uh, Melbourne, and Perth, they are locked. They, they, they are going to make it, and um, uh, you know it's going to be a real dogfight between those two teams to see who actually squeezes in there, right? And and they play this Thursday, I think. Yeah. Um, Phoenix play against Illawarra, so that's going to be a a big factor on who actually makes the um, make the final. So it's a a huge game coming up. But um, it's almost a quarter final. Just just I, I don't it is. I don't want to basically snap your rhythm here when we're talking hoops, but Cam Smith. Hit it in the water with his second, took a drop, hit his fourth, and chipped up to about two metres from the green, a chance to make par, and the Aussies 
Look like they're going to win the Players' Championship. Happy days, my friend. Happy days indeed, <laughs> Andrew Gay. So, yeah, uh, before I let you go, uh, I had to ask, uh, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, surely they can do better than that because that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, yeah. mate. Surely, I mean, I don't know, what the St. Kilda Phoenix has got to be something easier, surely. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, there was the South East Melbourne Magic back in the day, so I think that they, uh, they went with a name like that in order to try and bring back some of those fans. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a quality team. The name might, might not ring off the tongue, roll off the tongue all that well, but uh, they're a quality team. Although you look, they, they got, I don't know if you saw their game, and one of the, uh, last night's game was the best of the season. Um, two days before that, we saw a Phoenix playing against uh, Melbourne United. And the Phoenix, for all intents and purposes, had that game won. Eight points up going into the, you know, two or three minutes into the, the, the fourth period, and they somehow found a way to lose it. So they weren't able to hold their nerve, but they're, they're a quality team, and, um, you know, but they're, they're going to be in a battle to make the, make the finals and give themselves a chance. But uh, considering they've only been, it's only their third season, so they're, they're doing some really good things uh, at that organisation. If you had to pick a, 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 an NBL champion for 2022 at this point, which name are you going to give me? I'm going to go with Melbourne United primarily because, to me, they have been showed the most consistent and best defence of the teams in the competition. Uh, you, you know, that, that they can, like all teams, can go missing for, period, for periods of uh, games where the scoring becomes a challenge. But any time you've got um, Chris Golding on your squad, as we saw against the Phoenix, he was stinking. He, in the last two games, he was... It was going through a real tough period, but when the game was on the line in that last quarter against the Phoenix, he, he knocks down a couple of big, big threes. So, to me, um, Melbourne United, because of their defense, and then, of course, uh, the Perth Wildcats, when you've got Vic Law and Bryce Cotton on your same team, two of the, I would say two of the top three, if not the two best players in the competition playing on the one team, they're always going to be hard to beat. Yeah, they will be, mate. And uh, we should take a breath now. As Cameron Smith lines up the putt for Bogey that will win the that will win them the, him the players. Bogey, there it is. He's rolled it in. Ah. Well done to Cameron Mate, Smith. He wants to uh, show a little bit more excitement, the young man, because he's just picked up three and a half million and uh, played spectacular golf at sixty six in the last round. He just put on and well, he had to ride the roller coaster with him because he had four bogeys in there, but just made a mockery of some of those holes with all the birdies. And it's just been a uh, an incredible performance by by this uh, Aussie, and he looks like he's um, in really good form in the top ten recently, and uh, looks like he's going to be there for a while. He d- it does, mate. He does, and I honestly, with three point six million dollar uh, paycheck there for winning this, he might be able to afford a decent haircut as well. <laughs> the mullet, the rat tails, whatever you call it. But I can't, and, and I'm not sure about the little uh, mosquito that's running around on his lip either, the little <laughs> mustaka. <laughs> he would give a rat's cost bag about that right now. And uh, just very reserved, though. I mean, I would have thought we would have seen some fish pumps and uh, a bit of carry-on, but just taking it in his stride as if he's just won the... The, the, the local Sandringham uh, amateur tournament here in Melbourne. Quite extraordinary. <laughs> mate, he's done it well. He's done it well. Andrew Gaze, thank you very much for your time, mate. I'll let you go and uh, celebrate with Cam Smith now. 
<laughs> Good on you, boys. Thanks very much. And, and we're on the all breakers, and I don't ever want too many games, but stick fat with them. Yeah, will do, mate. Will do. Andrew Gazy, one of Australia's basketball greats and a, a great man to have on the radio and uh, chatting hoops and, and golf, for that matter, with us here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Keep your texts rolling in, double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost text machine. Yeah. Who are you putting in? Your Mount Rushmore of Warriors. Uh, we want to hear more from you. We've got a bunch of texts lined up, but keep them coming in. Double eight, double three. We'll get to those next. SENZ, uh, Ricardo Ball, and for Ian Smith on uh, your mornings with Ian Smith here on SENZ. Just the anthems being played out at the moment in the Cricket World Cup match uh, that is getting underway shortly between the Windies and Australia. And uh, we are doing the Mount Rushmore of Warriors. Your favourite Warriors, which four are you nominating to be carved into the face of the mountain? Dan has texted through. He said, Stacey Jones... Yeah, okay, we've had that before. Ruben Wiki, yep, had that before. Steve Price, yes, definitely, great shout. Number four, though, bit of a bolter, Lee Odenrein. And uh, when I say a bolter, one of my, uh, probably my greatest memory of Lee Odenrein is, uh, I'm a Parramatta Eels fan, always have been, and, and Odenrein, that's where he came from. And he was the fastest guy running around the NRL for a while. And back in the, I'm trying to think, it was probably late 80s, uh, Great Britain were touring England, a Great Britain rugby league team, and that's when they had Chariots of Fire, Martin of Fire, and they had a midweek game uh, against Para. Um, so it was like the dirt trackers, effectively, of Great Britain. Uh, but at half time, they got Chariots of Fire, or Martin of Fire, who's, you know, sort of talked about as being the quickest winger running around, and Lee Odenrein to have a foot race from one set of posts to the other set of posts, and Lee Odenrein beat Martin of Fire. In a, in, a, in a sprint, and uh, that was superb. So great shout, Dan, on Lee Odenrein. Of course, he did uh, come to the Warriors for some time. Uh, we've also had uh, this one coming uh, from, oh, there's no name attached to it, but saying Stacey Jones, greatest warrior ever, Simon Mannering, ultimate professional, Steve Price, greatest import, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, the Dally M. That's fair. Uh, Kevin Campion, Stacey Jones, Steve Price, and Captain Mannering. That is uh, from uh, Roscoe, living legends of the Warriors. He's saying... Jerry has said, my Mount Rushmore, Rushmore top four warriors, Dean Bell, Stacey Jones, Simon Mannering, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Can't go past these guys. Honourable mentions to Steve Price and Ruben Wiki. Nice topic, guys. Good fun, Jerry. Glad you've enjoyed it, Jerry. Keep them coming through. Hytro uh, Cassini, Michael, like Kevin Campion and Simon Mannering for Barry. He liked it so much he sent us that text four times, Barry. Um, so he's obviously a big fan. Uh, so a, a mixture of names there, Logan. And I guess, you know, for you, as you said, when the Warriors launched in 95, you were only a uh, only a young kid at nine. Um, there'd be a few names there that you might have to go and Google. Uh, a few, but to be honest, not too many. Uh, I do remember Odin Ryan. There's there's plenty of good names there. Uh, I feel kind of ashamed of myself that uh, Heathrow. I when you mentioned the name to me, I was just like, oh. It doesn't ring a bell. And then, yeah, I looked him up. I was like, damn it, why did I not know that? <laughs> but, and, you know, there's been some really great ones there. You know, you mean, uh, someone mentioned both Matthew Ridge and Mark Ellis in the same text. And, you know, th- those are guys that I remember growing up watching and thinking, man, these guys are freaking awesome. Like, they're superstars. And, you know, of course, you know, bit of crossover there with the All Blacks as well. But this has been a really fun topic. Interestingly enough, uh, one for the listeners, definitely want to hear your opinion on this. Last night when Ricardo and I were messaging each other about this and trying to figure out what we're going to do for Mount Rushmore, because we have been doing the Super Rugby teams. We put that on pause for Smithy because that was his thing. Yeah. Uh, The alternate was 
NRL haircuts. <laughs> There's been some terrible ones. Yeah. Or and, good and, ones, depending. And I mean, to mind, I mean, the two that I think of right now are Ryan Pappenhausen and Josh Papali'i. But if there's others, let us know, because I thought that could be a fun one too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, uh, the Josh Papali'i one, Go, it almost, it's almost like he's giving a shout out to Hydro Cassini because Hydro Cassini was famous for his mullet, you know. So, uh, so, so there is a bit of that. Uh, it swings and roundabouts. It does come around, but keep your texts coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Keep those coming through and uh, we'll reveal ours uh, a little closer to 12 o'clock but it is uh, time, or nearly time if it's Stumped by Smithy with me sitting in. So if you want to play Stumped by Smithy, call us now 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 We have a $50 TAB voucher and sleep drops that could be all yours uh, if you can beat me in Stumped by Smithy. So call now 0800 150 811 0800 uh, Still to come in the show well of course our Mount Rushmore reveal Sam Hewitt as well as filling in for staff this week is going to join us as as well. Right now, though, it is time for news and sport with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right. It is time for Stumped, not by Smithy, but potentially by Ricardo. A little bit controversial there yesterday. A uh, few listeners thought maybe I should have given Ricardo the win there, but it was a feel-good story of the day. That we got a winner there from Geraldine. Uh, and of course, with Stumped, up for grabs his $50 worth of TAB vouchers, along with some sleep drops, Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us now at the crease is Brad from Dunedin. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, fellas. How are we? Yeah, real good, mate. Uh, home of the mighty Dunedin Thunder, I must say. Just play, <laughs> plugging in my mates there in the New Zealand Ice Hockey League. Uh, we've got three sporting questions to choose from, uh, categories to choose from today. So if you get all three correct, then you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, it's over to Ricardo for a chance to knock your bales off. Now, Brad, today's topics are track and field, super rugby, and a bit of soccer football. What's your pick? Um, oh. We have to go super rugby, eh? All right, mate. Let's go. Probably a wise decision there not to pick soccer football because when I told Ricardo that that was going to be one of the topics, his eyes lit up. So, <laughs> well, Yeah, that was my uh, number two. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And Ricardo, he's everywhere. He hosts all the rugby shows here on SCNZ Radio, so potentially he may have you here. But let's go. Super rugby. Clayton McMillan is the coach of the Waikato Chiefs. Or... Gallagher Chiefs, I should say, but which province did he appear for in over 100 games as the number eight? Who uh, this freaked to mind? I think I heard this this morning. You did? Um, I want to say Bay of Plenty. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That's what we love. We love rewarding listeners that listen for the whole show. <laughs> exactly. We did mention Clayton McMillan earlier. Obviously, you would have been all over that one, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I lived in Tauranga in the 90s, and I knew Clayton when he was playing for Bay of Plenty. Okay, I, I have to ask you about this later, because obviously I grew up in Tauranga as well, and I right. spent a lot of time at Brewers Bar. Ah, right. Yes, not well. Right. <laughs> Second question, Brad. Not including the regionalised comps that have taken place during the pandemic, 
When was the last time an Australian Super Rugby side won the competition? Um, is that your... The Waratahs won after that. No, no. No, the Waratahs won it. In what year? Oh, 2014. That's a couple of chips down the way. Oh, you're beautiful. Right in the slot and the way it goes. Man, there was like beautiful mind there, just the thought process there. I was about to ask you, is that your final answer? And you jumped in there. Good, good stuff. All right. This is this is for all. This is for the $50 TAB vouchers and the Sleep Drops Daytime Revive for you, Brad, from Dunedin. Oh, this is a question just for you. In my eyes, he is the one true crusher, Josh Cronfeld. In what year did he say goodbye to the Tiger Highlanders for a deal with the Leicester Tigers? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> whoa. When did he stop playing for the All Blacks? Um, oh, 1999. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Okay, Ricardo, it's all on you, mate. It's all on you. I... What year did Josh Cronfeld say goodbye to the Otago Highlanders for the Leicester Tigers? I'm I'm stuck between two answers here. I can't remember if it was 2000 or 2001, um, but I'm going to go with 2001. That's your final answer? It's my final answer. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Ah, right Hard luck, Brad. Frickin' Ricardo had those gloves warmed up for you, mate. He's knocked your bowels off. That's a stumping. We've jackpotted up to $100 tomorrow. Thanks for playing, mate. Hard luck, brother. That's right. I've been stumped by Smithy, McIver, and now Ricardo. So, Eddie. <laughs> hey, you got the hat trick. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Bloody good. Cheers, lad. All the best, mate. Enjoy your day. Nice work, Ricardo. Thanks, mate. Thanks. I was yeah, it was a it was a head scratcher. I knew it. I was one of the two, but I couldn't quite remember exactly when he started for Leicester. So I, yeah, I had to take a uh, take a stab. Well, you got it, mate. You got it. That was uh, outstanding work there. Like I said, really nice to hear people listening throughout the show, and that you know you got picked up in the bay plenty. Tauranga, I did not know that you spent a bit of time in Tauranga. That's awesome. I, years and years ago, I don't know if you you'll know, probably remember it the, before it became uh, what it is now. There used to be a radio station down there called Coastline FM, and I was on Coastline FM from about ninety four through to about. Was it? Yeah, 90, yeah. I was down there from until uh, about ninety eight, I think ninety four to ninety eight. It's sort of around there at that time. I mean, obviously a bit of an age gap there, so I don't think we would have crossed paths <laughs> unless unless uh, we bumped, you know, at uh, the Brewers Bar. I used to go there a lot for gigs and also played a little bit here and there on stage. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah you might have you might have turned. I, I used to turn sausages at a lot of a lot of sales promos, standing out in front of you know different places here and there. And so yeah, you you, you might have got a snarler off the barbie from me potentially. Love it, Tauranga, one of the best places to to grow. I have to say, love it so much. Yeah, mate, it's a, it's a top spot. You can't beat it, Tauranga. Um, now we have had a few texts through on double eight double three the temper bed. Um, uh, the temper bedpost text machine, I should say, uh, talking about the haircuts. We were talking about uh, the best slash worst haircuts in rugby league at the moment, off the back of our uh, Mount Rushmore of Warriors, your favourite Warriors players. And somebody's text through here saying, 
I don't know about rugby league, but the worst haircut I've seen is Joe Webber from Bay of Plenty. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he's in a horrible clipper accident. Um, you yeah, know, that's that's probably fair. That's the octopus. The octopus there of uh, dreads. And <laughs> Crago's Wild had a segment where it was uh, hairstyles of uh, you know the NPC, and that one is up there for sure. Yeah, there's that. That was that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty ugly. There was a guy who played. I'm trying to remember his name. Jason, somebody rather, who played football in England professionally for a long time. I think he was English, but I think he played internationally for Jamaica. But he had dreads, but he used to pile them up on top of his head, like in a hairnet, uh, and the uh, you know to, to play in. And the uh, opposition fans would often sing, "He's got a pineapple on his head," because that's what it looked like. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, more rubbish haircut chat coming your way here on Mornings with Ian Smith, uh, Ricardo Ball in for you. We will get to our Mount Rushmore of your favourite Warriors. We'll do our reveals, Logan and I, up next here on SCNZ. Yeah, this is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy Willies on World Cup duty. We're 16 away from midday and Sam Hewitt, who's in for Mark Stafford. Uh, we are doing, of course, the Mount Rushmore of Warriors, your favourite Warriors. Really, we didn't want to put any other stipulations other than your favourite Warriors. And uh, we had heaps of texts come through on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight, double three, with yours uh, Charlie uh, has texted through Mount Rushmore Warriors. Simon Mannering met him a couple of months ago in uh, Palarus, wherever that is, uh, and uh, with his family still looking fit. Stacy, Lucky, and Ruben to round it out. So thank you for Charlie uh, for Charlie for that. But uh, we should get to ours now, Logan. So uh, do you want to kick things off? Uh, absolutely. This has been a great topic, and I love how many people have been engaged with the show today and, uh, you know, really pitching in with their suggestions. Honestly, there's barely been any where I would question it. Barely been any. And I mean, we, you know, Sam Ackerman mentioned Manu Vatuvai as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bit of a cloud there, obviously, with his recent convictions, but he did do a lot for the club. However, my first one. Uh, it's a guy who played all over the park uh, in, in the backs there. Perfect utility, you could say. Uh, fullback, centre, 5'8", halfback, and hooker is Lance Hohaya. Oh, brilliant. Maloney. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Petri 7, a saver. Get that in here. From Hohaya. It was a mismatch, and it was David slaying Goliath. David slaying Goliath. You have to look that clip up on YouTube because Ohio just bounces right back off and goes back into the line. Just absolutely outstanding there from him. Of course, not the only great warrior to come out of Huntley either. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm sorry, Wairangi Kupu, you do not make my list this time around. Over to you, Ricardo. Uh, well, this one uh, is one that we've talked about and it's come through on the text machine a bit too as well. From 95, from the original season, he was a guy uh, that lit things up. He ran hard and fast every time he got the ball, and that was Hytro Occasini, the flying mullet. He would head down and just cannonball into the opposition. Uh, superb player who was the first proper cult hero at the Warriors. Uh, and I have to look up more highlights of him now that you've been putting in all these messages about him. People have been texting in as well. Just sounds like an absolute legend. The fact that he had the hair to go with, with the role as well, that's oh, just awesome. Yeah, mate, the flying mullet. Honestly, it was. It was just. It was a, it was a thing of glory. <laughs> 
I do love flying mullets, let's be honest. Uh, speaking of hard-hitting uh, forwards for the Warriors, honestly, I really struggled to pick just one because there's so many, but I've gone with Ben Matalino. Thompson, Prince, across field, showing him nails, absolutely squashed by Ben Matalino. Here's Riles, been terrific for them, and runs into Madalino, and wishes he hadn't. That's a good hit on a big man. Yeah, just, I just loved watching Madalino just smash it up uh, at Mount Smart Stadium. Interestingly enough, first player to graduate from the National Youth Competition uh, to play uh, 150 NRL matches. His size, his power, just it was a thing of beauty to watch, and I just miss seeing him in Warriors colours. Yeah, he folded more people than your mum did washing, right? I mean, he just was just, yeah, uh, he'd been a lot of people in half. Now, he's a good shout, Ben Madalino. I like him. My next one is actually, I think, um, you could have put Steve Price in here, but I went with another great Aussie import, uh, and this is all about guts, grit, determination, leadership, uh, and winning just purely through your will to win, and that is Kevin Campion. Uh, obviously, when he came here, maybe his best years have been at the Broncos, but he really lifted a Warriors side that needed that kind of leadership. Yeah, absolutely, and he did bring a lot in the time that he was here, you know, 44 appearances only three tries, but it wasn't about putting up the points with Kevin Campion. He was he was a great leader. Uh, obviously inspired the Warriors in the, the 22 season where they made the grand final. So uh, definitely huge one to have there. Uh, and a name that has been mentioned so many times today on the Temper Bear Post text machine, of course, is the ultimate warrior, Simon Mannering. Penrith have got it. No, they have it. Mannering says, look at me go. He takes on the defence. What defence? Only player for the Warriors to hit over at 300 games. Just an absolutely beauty of a human and a rugby league player as well. Yeah, he was. He's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, this, you know, it was a, once again, as it was a toss up between Campion and Price for me, it was a toss up between Simon Mannering and this bloke for me. But. I had to go with Michael Luck, and uh, those two were, were thick as thieves off the field. They were, they were really tight. I used to see them in a lot of places around town. I, I managed to get them tickets to a Foo Fighters gig once. I went to the Foo Fighters with them. Top blokes, uh, really good men. And Michael Luck, though, you really notice when he left the Warriors, that defensive starch that we had disappeared. And uh, you know, I had to include him for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, reading up on Michael Luck when we were going through this for the Mount Rushmore, you speak of that defence. I was reading up, uh, he played a game against the Melbourne Storm in 2009 where he put on 74 tackles. (laughs) Just like the (laughs) stamina on the man to do that. Yeah, yeah, mate. The guy had such a big engine on him. And, you know, you see it now. What's he doing? He's doing endurance racing. He's probably about 80 kilos dripping wet now, Michael Luck. But uh, he's just, he's always had a great engine on him. And, of course, there's only one left here. This is the one that we agree on. Yeah, we thought we'd leave this one to last because I don't think that it gets better than this bloke. Henderson is wrapped up. Strong defence in the middle of the ruck from Nuasala. Now the field goal. Jones got it away. And he has got it. Yes, yes, yes. Stacey Jones has kicked it. The one pointer from the middle general. Ages. 17-16. What a thriller. 
What a thriller indeed. The Little General, I love that nickname, Stacey Jones. Uh, you know, he was really, I think, the first legitimate star that the Warriors had. Yeah, I just, I loved growing up in that area of the Warriors with the Little General, Stacey Jones. I don't know if anyone really remembers the video game, Stacey Jones Rugby League, but I played that a ton in university. Uh, you know, that was almost like my rugby league education, but I just, yeah, love watching him play, love the way he just commanded things around the park because I don't know if there's a more apt nickname either. He just, the way he saw the field, the way he sort of conducted play for the Warriors was outstanding. The vision that he showed on display. I don't know if we'll ever see another guy like that, especially in the Warriors. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. I mean, everybody thought that Sean Johnson was going to be the next Stacey Jones, but he was really the first Sean Johnson. And I don't say this as a criticism of Sean Johnson. I don't think he has has ever found the consistency that Stacey had and brought to the field. It is nine away from midday here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Up next, we catch up with Sam Hewitt, who's filling in for Mark Stafford. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.